Well, today is All Saints Sunday. And so as you heard Pastor Aubrey and his wife, Jennifer, sharing, or she likes to go by Jen, sorry, Jen, uh, sharing about this, this great language that, that they've already really framed this Sunday so beautifully that we're remembering people who inspire us to follow Jesus. And um, out in the lobby, there's a chance for you to write someone's name down if you just want to honor them. I did that this morning for my friend Tammy who passed away this year, who just was just such a powerful woman of God. And uh, some of the people here in our church, I didn't write their name down to give you that opportunity, but it's just a, it's just a way we can honor um, what Jesus has done in those people. In a few minutes, we'll read Hebrews 12:1 again, because it's such a it's such a forming scripture for us on this particular day. So you can start working your way there. You can go to you version. It has the points and the scriptures preloaded. The title of my message today is the communion of saints. And that's a phrase that we say during the apostles creed, we say we're part of a communion of saints. And we're going to look at four different aspects of that today. I was thinking about my friend, Dr. Charles Golden. Uh, some of you may know him. He, he was last the senior pastor in 2006, I believe, and maybe it was 2007, but he came here to this church in 2007 as the interim before I was hired. And we are very close friends from that experience. Well, he is training pastors at Southeastern University, but as I said, he hasn't been a, an active lead pastor. He's been an interim, but an active lead pastor since 2006. So one Sunday he came here to speak, we're getting ready to leave and I'm taking him to lunch and I'm locking up the church and the families are just kind of lingering, you know, different moms and young kids and dads and singles, they're all just kind of lingering and talking, uh, which is, is a cool thing, but I, you know, I wanted to take Dr. Golden to lunch and, and so I'm kind of hey, let's move the fellowship on here. I mean, I was kind of in that mindset and I apologized to him and said, no, no, no worries. And so Dr. Golden just stood there for a while with this big smile on his face and he, and he was watching what was happening. And he just said this, he said, this is what I miss about pastoring. I said, what do you mean? You miss like going to lunch late because you're waiting to get people out. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he just said, the children playing, the parents talking, the laughter. This is what I miss about pastoring. He, he didn't miss as much the preaching part, which I know he trained some of us to preach. He didn't miss some of the, the things that you would think a senior pastor would miss. He just missed that time after service where everyone's kind of rumbling about, so to speak, or just, just lingering. And, and this is such a great reminder of what really matters in life. You know, what really matters in life is our relationships, is our connection. And those relationships that we make and those connections go on into heaven. And that's what's so powerful about that. Let, let me ask you this question about the community, about the church. Do you want to avoid hell? Or do you want to be part of God's redemptive story and participate in it? A lot of us think that church is just a way to check off a box so we don't end up in some type of eternal destruction. And of course, of course you don't, none of us, we all want eternal life. That's true. 
But we, we look at church and community as so individualistic that we're like, I want to avoid the bad place and go to the good place. So I'm going to go to church. And that is the basic level of motivation that is the lowest level of motivation. Because yes, while we know that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven and thank God for our destiny that he has purchased through his death and through his resurrection, there is a story that's unfolding now. If not, then when we gave our life to Christ, we'd just go poof and we'd be in heaven. Sometimes all we care about is heaven, but God cares about much more. He cares about who we become on earth. And we have sometimes, even through good things like evangelistic crusades, one person, it's your choice, come down the aisle. We have made Christianity so individualistic that we have forgot the communal part is equally as important. We're called to community. We're called to be part of something bigger than what we can see with natural eyes. You come to church, not just for you. You come to church for others and for others you don't even know. Your church participation is not about your satisfaction. It's about your participation in the story of God for the whole universe. I remember a few years ago when when people used to camp out all night long for the latest iPhone. And, and they would sometimes put a tent up and they would wait all night long in a tent for the right to pay $1,200 for an iPhone 10 that would be obsolete within three years. But there was just something about that. And I heard a, a, a news commentator or, or financial advisor say this, wouldn't people instead of paying $1,200 to buy an iPhone, prefer to put $1,200 and own Apple. In other words, instead of putting your money into an iPhone that's going to be obsolete in three years, why don't you you enjoy the phone that's already better than any phone anyone ever had, version eight or whatever it was, and put that $1,200 in Apple stock. So I don't wanna just own an iPhone, I wanna own Apple. And I, I thought about this, you know, every, every analogy has a breakdown here, but th- this is how we kind of are in church. It's like, we want to just like get the bare minimum. I want to make it into heaven. Tell me the very minimal I have to do to get in. When God's saying, no, you can partner with me in my redemptive story for the world. God has chosen to need you and you are irreplaceable. And so every time someone checks out of the kingdom of God, checks out of the community of God, checks out of the flow of the church, it is, it is less than ideal of what God wants. He, he needs all of us in his sovereignty. He has chosen to need all of us. We are not to be minimum qualifiers in the kingdom of God. We're co-owners with God. So here's Here's the first aspect of the communion of saints, the community preceding us. And this is the beautiful scripture we'll read today. And I wanna give you some background. Hebrews chapter 11, we we kind of have called this the hall of fame of believers because all of Hebrew 11 talks about specific saints with stories we can read about in the Old Testament. And not all of these saints were perfect. Some of them had some real shady things going on, kind of like 
you, and kind of like me. And yet God used them in faith to advance his story for the world. And so now we come to Hebrews 12, 1, and we'll read this. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race lies, that lies before us. And this is the word of the Lord. I want to see who was listening still. And that's what we're doing today. We're considering the cloud of witnesses, not to look past, but to move forward. We see the cloud of witnesses and we are, we are aware of our history and we are aware of our connectedness to the other churches in Hendersonville and the other churches in Gallatin and the other churches on other side, the other side of the world. Enemies, the believers who are having church there or who've had church there in the last few hours are not our enemies. They are our brothers and sisters because we're united in the communion of the saints. God's people who have believed the same things about God in all times and all places. And this spurs us on today. And the scripture says, consider this cloud of witnesses because I, I want you to have endurance because there's gonna be times that you're gonna wanna give up on your faith. There's gonna be times you're gonna wanna diminish the role of faith in your life. There's gonna be times when people you really like and you want their approval are pushing Christianity aside and say Christianity shouldn't be the center. And that's when you need endurance. You need to see the endurance that the people we study in scripture and the people that we've observed in our life and the people who are around us now are spurring us on and cheering us on to follow Jesus with all our hearts. A few years ago, David Brooks wrote, wrote a, a great book that impacted me. And, and in this, he was talking about the, the role that we have in passing on traditions and he was not speaking from a spiritual standpoint, but he was speaking from a civic standpoint. I want to read to you a portion of this book. And I think maybe three or four years ago, I read this before, but it impacted me deeply. It said, a person is born into a collection of permanent institutions, including the army, the priesthood, the fields of science, or any of the professions like being a farmer, a builder, a cop, or a professor. Life is not like navigating through an open field. It is committing oneself to a few of the institutions that were embedded on the ground before you were born and will be here after you die. It is accepting the gifts of the dead, taking on the responsibility of preserving and improving an institution and then transmitting that institution better on to the next generation. This is a powerful statement because most of our grandparents or grandparents or great-grandparents, this was embedded in them. It was part of our American culture. And then from the baby boomers on, sorry, I'm a Gen Xer, millennials, all that. You know, it's a very self-centered generations, three generations now going into four of let me be fulfilled. The truth is this, is that we all are part of something greater than ourselves in, in different earthly institutions. And I want you to give account of the earthly institutions that you're connected to. And I think it glorifies God and it's good when we care about what we leave behind. When we care about the skills 
needed in our profession. If we care about the sustainability of something we benefit from, that's just good as citizens. That's good for our grandkids and our great, great grandkids we may never meet. And so good people who don't know Christ can apply David Brooks quote, and that would make the world better. And that's part of creation continuing to recreate itself. But we are part of something much greater than what maybe David Brooks was referring to, much greater than a college we love, much greater than the police fraternity, much greater than being a teacher. Those are important things that, that, it, that should matter to us, but they should not be our eternal care. We're part of an eternal community. We're part of a heavenly destination. We're part of a greater reality. We're part of a truth that will not rot, rust, or fade away. We're part of the truth, the hope, the purpose, the destiny. We are part of that which is eternal. We are part of that which will endure forever and ever and ever. And so am I saying that church should be the most important thing in your life? Absolutely. I absolutely believe that. Do I, I believe that church should not be just something you do. It represents the community that's part of the essence of who you are that will continue after you die, not just here on this earth, but will go into the heavenly kingdom. The church is not about a brand. It's not about a pastor. It's not about a denomination and it's not about CIL. It's about what God's people have believed in all times and all places and what we should pass down to others. And so I want now, when we, when we talk about the communion of saints, I want you to consider the community around us. Those who are around us right now. Acts 2.42, it's what we name our 2.42 groups around. The scripture says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. And now that's the Bible. The apostles' teachings is scripture. They devoted themselves to scripture, to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and they held all things in common and they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and they broke bread from house to house and they ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And every day the Lord added to the numbers those who were being saved. Now, this is a snapshot. This is a picture of the community in Acts. If you go on in Acts, there's other times they didn't have the overt favor of the people. There's other times they were getting killed. There was other times when instead of gathering people, they were being scattered. But it is an ideal that we move towards. And the application of this is, hey, we ought to meet every day because we're not the Acts 242 church. That's not what the application of this is. The application is the relationships revolved around the community should be part of our daily life. 
And those manifest uh, not just at the church building, but it manifests at the coffee shop. It manifests in the texts we exchange. And, and we begin to see the work of God begins to move beyond what the church can schedule. Can I just tell you that, that the community and the, the advancement of the Lord's community has to be bigger than what, what Jacob or Deborah can organize. I mean, it has to be part of something dynamic where we're just in part of each other's lives. And, and there's a community around us that's special. There is a power when we're together. There's a power of God present when we're together. And I wanna remind you of something that you probably know true. You never truly appreciate, or let's say this, you seldom appreciate the power of the community around you until you leave. And you can never, you can never go back to what you had. I tried that a couple of times. I left somewhere and I went back and it wasn't the same. So learn from me. So you, you appreciate what you have now. I won't. I will not always be the pastor of this church. I won't. It makes me a little bit sad, but you know, what, you know what it made me do? It made me want to give everything I can today. Everything I can to this message. Everything I can to shaking someone's hand. Everything I can to that conversation with the child. Because today cannot be replicated. This is what we have today. And this is what is special for us today. And so we fully live in the community around us. So wherever you are, be there. Don't be in your past. Remember your past so it inspires your present. Don't be so much in your future that you can't live today. Live in today. And I think that's Acts 2, 42 through 47. That's the greater application, not like, oh, church is terrible today. Have you read Acts chapter two? Well, you know, they had some issues back then also. But what they had is this vitality, this relational vitality where God was the most important thing to them. Then there's a community that follows us. That's a third perspective. And that is, Thinking about our children, teenagers, and this is not just for those who are parents, our grandparents today. This is for every single person, singles and young adults. And we all have a responsibility at some level to pass the faith to the next generation. And this is how God's people have always operated. Deuteronomy chapter six, starting with verse four. Listen, Israel, this, the, this is the most important scripture in Judaism this is, you cannot be Jewish if you don't believe this. Listen, Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. That, that, is, that is essential to our faith. Now, verse five, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. This is what Jesus emphasized also, this very scripture. These words I'm giving you today are to be in your heart that's what we're talking about. In your heart, repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. Say, let God be the center of your family. If he's not the center of your family now, then you're taking a big risk that he'll be the center of your children's family. He may be because God is sovereign, but you're taking a risk that maybe 
you shouldn't take. Psalm 90, verse one, this was sung by our spiritual ancestors. Lord, you have been our refuge in every generation. So no matter what the civic atmosphere is, the Lord is our refuge. Psalm 43, verse three and four. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. I must've given the wrong reference there. Verse four of, I think that's Psalm 45, verse four. Man, that's a good scripture. It's just not the one I wanna, I wanna uh, read. So that's a good one. That is totally my fault. It's not the media people's fault. So there's a great scripture somewhere in the Psalms that says this. <laughs> one generation shall commend your works to another. Thank you about that. Psalm 145, thank you. One generation shall commend your works to another. That one number makes a difference, doesn't it? So I grew up in Dallas and I love Dallas. And, uh, you know, it was, a great, it was a great place to grow up. And my great-grandfather moved there and all of our family lived there. I was the first person in our family since my great-grandfather to move out of Dallas. And we would always go to the State Fair of Texas, it, it, this month in October. One time my grandpa got me out of school. I'm like, I checked out of school. I'm like, what's going on? He took me to the State Fair of Texas. And it was fun. Um, our family was from East Dallas. So I could see the big Ferris wheel all year long. It was a cool thing. And so State Fair, it, it was, was pretty cool. We ate all these bad foods, looked at farm animals, rode roller coasters. So it was pretty cool. So in my, you know, my thinking, I was like, okay, my great-grandfather used to go to the State Fair. My Grandfather went to the state fair. My dad went to the state fair. Someday, little errands are gonna go to the state fair. And you know, that feels kind of important, doesn't it? It, it, When you're a little kid, you're like, oh yeah, someday that'll happen. Well, now all my kids are grown. They're all adults now. And none of them have ever been to the state fair of Texas. Well, thank you for your sympathy, but can I just tell you this? Thank you for your sympathy, but but you're kind of ruining my point. Because my point is this, who cares? It's unhealthy food. It's overpriced. The weather's not that great in October. It's too hot. Everybody's wearing flannel and sweating because they think they're supposed to be at the fair. I mean, who wants to go stand in line, look at stinky pigs while you're eating a corn dog, sweating, and like it's some kind of great family tradition. But some of us, we're like so, we're, we're so fixated on family traditions and we have, we have traditions we've kept and we've created new traditions. We're so fixated on family traditions that they are more important than the gospel. And I just wanna say in light of eternity and in light of what God does in your life, who cares about these things aren't as important. The community completing us. That's my last perspective. The community completing us. And Aubrey, you can make your way up here when you're ready. First Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. Verse 12. For just as a body is one and has many members and all the parts of that body through many are one body, so also is Christ. For verse 13, in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And we were we were made to drink of one spirit for the body does not consist. Now verse 14, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And for the sake of time, I can't read all of that. But if you, if you read the whole scripture there, it says that 
a smaller part of the body can't say I'm not important because the whole body is important. And I just want to say this, if you are not part of the communion of saints, I'll still see you in heaven because Jesus is awesome and he, he's all sufficient, but you're missing something. You're missing something. And we, we live in a culture that is, is breaking down institutional loyalty. And now that spills over into the church sometimes, but we're, we're missing something. We're missing something if we're not part of the communion of saints. One of the friends I grew up with, you know, one of my closest friends growing up, he was in my wedding and uh, we, we grew up in similar churches, not the same church, but we had same neighborhoods, same junior high, same high school, all that. And, and he walked away from the Lord. You know, he, he, he just, as far as I know today, I, I don't talk to him much. He's not living for the Lord. I get a text from him once a year, whatever the case is, but just, just not living for the Lord. So one time I had a candid conversation with him and, and I asked him, I said, let me ask you this question. What, what? do you miss about Christianity? And he thought for a second and he said, I miss the people. I knew his church, his church wasn't some cool, trendy on the edge church. It was just a church of just regular people. But he said, I miss the good people. I miss being in relationship with the people. And and that went on for a good conversation. and, And I believe he'll be back part of the communion of saints. I believe that with my heart. I hope today that you can see these perspectives, the community before us, the community around us now, the the community that will come after us and then the community that completes us. We're part of the body. It is not just you and Jesus. It is not. It is you, Jesus, and the communion of saints. It's always been that way and it will always be. Just because you're a 21st century American doesn't make you more special than a Christian of the third century in Asia. You are not more special because you're an American. You are part of the communion of saints because Jesus has chosen you and we have something to live into. We live into the communion of saints.